Welcome back. Welcome to our show. Welcome to Catch Up with Gatch Show, the Midlands-based and sometimes beyond show where we talk to all kinds of businesses. We discuss other matters, too. Speaking to all sorts of interesting folk, the fun business show. It's now time for the Catch Up with Gatch Show. With your host, Gatch. Hi everybody, this is another episode of um, Catch Up With Gatch. Um, pretty excited about this one, to be fair. Um, today's guest is Chris Target. Um, I've worked with him for probably about three, four years in a golf shop back in yesteryear. This is, seems like a million years ago, but I know what he stands for. I know exactly what he's about. I know what he does. I've kept up with his social media content throughout the years. And I know, hopefully, in this... Our also content, our also podcast that we've got, it'll give you a ton of value. So uh, I'd like to welcome Chris to the chair. How you doing, mate? You all right? I'm all right. Yourself? Yeah, good. Thanks, mate. Good. Um, before good. we really get into it, I need to ask you quickly, and I didn't put it on the list of questions I was potentially going to ask you. Yeah. Team Malarkey, I know exactly how you work a little bit, but I keep seeing on social media, you and your tea, three minutes, the tea bag is going to be in there for three minutes. Is that right? So the perfect brew, I'll run this through, and this is yep. going to be yep. the most important part on this podcast, hands down. <laughs> if you listen to anything, listen to the next two minutes of how to make the perfect brew. So, obviously, boil the kettle, standard. Tea bag in, pour the water over it, and leave. don't put any milk in, don't put any sugar, and leave it there for two to three minutes. Check Facebook, check Instagram, do whatever you've got to do, but don't touch that tea bag after you've stirred it. Three minutes... Then tea bag out, milk, then sugar. If you don't make your tea like that, then please don't listen to the rest of this podcast. It's just pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody that puts milk in with a tea bag, sacrilege. Uh, this is going to be the biggest po- talking point of the podcast. You do realise this? Yeah, but yeah, yes, I'm, probably, I'm probably aware. Is there, is, there, is there a brand? Is there a brand? Got to be Yorkshire Gold. Don't even mm. talk to me if you're drinking PG tips. Oh, I agree with that. PG tips work best. Maybe a little Typhoon pyramid bag if you feel a bit cheeky on a Sunday morning. Not really into the twinings. Uh, maybe a peppermint tea now and again. But uh, but yeah, Yorkshire Gold or Yorkshire too. Those, Leave those it in there. Uh, let, let the tea bag do the work. A little bit of milk. Is it builder's brew colour or do you go milky with the tea? Oh, well. As I've hit 30, I've realised that I'm not full builder's brew colour anymore. Ooh. Touch more milk in there. Um, cut down from two sugars for one, just because, standard, as you get older. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's all about a dash of milk. Don't, don't put loads of milk in it. Just drink hot milk if you're going to do that. But yeah, most of my Instagram content <laughs> will be me making a brew. So yeah, if you want to head over to my channel, that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly why I asked because I thought what keeps going on about it. I'm going to ask you straight up a perfect cup of tea very quickly. Um, so yeah, that's why I asked you. I knew there'd be something because I remember working with you and you were like, "What's that?" To know somebody bringing milky tea. What's that? Hey, what are you doing? Don't make one if you can't make one. I remember it crystal clear that conversation. So uh, good. Um, just to get you into it, really, I'm just going to ask you some five questions. More than anything else, yeah. um, if that's all right. Favorite podcast at the moment. Apart from this one, uh, favorite <laughs> podcast. 
you know what? I'm really I'm listening to uh, a woman who specialises in LinkedIn at the minute. Her name's Helen Pritchard. She hasn't got a necessary podcast I listen to, but I'll listen to episodes that she's on other people's podcasts. So Mike Winnett, um, not another not another dickhead of the podcast. I think it's called. Yeah, yeah I listen to his as well. Yeah, yeah good. Um, Obviously, Gary V. He's just amazing. I find with Gary V. I'll listen to him solid for a week, and then I'll kind of get a bit bored of his voice, and then I'll exactly. pick him up again in a few weeks. I'm exactly the same. I've not listened to an ounce of content for a month, but you guarantee I'll go through a two-week period of going, ah, let's catch up with everything. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so those are my podcasts at the minute that I'm listening to. Cool. Excellent. Um, yeah, I'll look out for Helen Pitcher. Mike Wood. It is funny. He is funny with what yeah. he comes out with and stuff. So. Uh, yeah, anybody check those out. Um, favourite food and restaurant, if you've got one? Food and restaurant. I think restaurant, I'm going to be a bit boring and say, like Miller and Carter and mm. steak. Always steak. It's becoming a popular choice of the questions I've asked so far is, what's your favourite yeah. food? Steak. Everyone goes steak, which is good. I can't, I can't disagree with that, can you? Bistro rump from Miller and Carter, medium rare, with um, the beef dripping sauce. And then your iceberg wedge tells a lot about a person as well. That's uh, blue cheese and Stilton. Strong. Told you he'll give you a ton of value for missing that. <laughs> I told you he would do. Um, <laughs> we're talking more serious I like stuff. Though. I, like, I like that it's just a bit of a, it's a cool opening. Well, hopefully, that's the idea behind it. On a scale of 0 to 10, how weird are you? How weird are you? Oh, I'm like the opposite of weird. I'm just like logically boring, really. Uh, <laughs> So I'd, I'd say a one or a two. I, got, I was thinking about this question earlier and I thought, how weird am I? I'm not weird at all. So, uh, cool. so yeah. yeah, just practical, that's the word. That is how I would literally describe myself as well. Practical. Thinking, yeah. I don't do anything stupid, so bad enough. And I know you're a tidy person anyway, because I remember you always getting us tidy at the gold shop. Room, desk or car, what are you cleaning first? I think it would be desk, room, then car. This room okay. Yeah, desk. Well, I say that desk is down to the bum site at the minute working from home. Um, but yeah, it would be desk room and then car. I'm not. I'm not a huge car fan. Um, appreciate a clean car, obviously. But my my brother's a massive car fan. He's got a Nissan Skyline, like a vintage one. He absolutely loves it. He knows the ins and outs of it. For me, sorry, Matt, I missed that. But I suppose that's actually perfect, clean, pristine, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the way he had his. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not a massive car person. Cool. Um, and this is a weird, a wonderful one as such, and I'll tell you the reason why. Tell me something that's true, or tell me something that almost nobody agrees with you on. So the other day, I had somebody tell me that vegans are going to kill the cows because they're going to eat all the grass. And that's, <laughs> I was like... <laughs> I need some scientific proof, but okay, cool. Nobody agrees with you on it. That's it. So, have you got anything like that? What do I believe nobody else does? Um, it doesn't have to be true, or it could be true. Definitely. I'm, I think I'm, probably the, being a business podcast, probably one of the ones that I all hear all the time is people say, You should never tell people what you're up to. You should never tell people what your goals are. I think I saw a quote that said, There's two things in life to make, be successful. One, don't tell everybody what you're up to. And then two is obviously blank. For me, I talk about everything that I do because it can open up so many doors. And I've had arguments with people about this saying that you should keep everything to yourself. You should, you should only talk with actions and things. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's fair enough. But why don't you tell people about what you're up to? Because they might be able to help you with that situation. So um, 
so yeah that's that's probably one thing that other people have quite strong opinions about compared to what i believe that mm. that'll be that would be it yeah yeah i was gonna say i thought you might say something like free work or something but yeah no okay that's, that's equally as good isn't it um worst ad on tv if you watch ads i don't but if you do I'm... um probably these ones like pretty little thing or um you know like these women's dress shop things order off the internet and it's just a bird just dancing around the screen with no talking just like a Dua Lipa song or something something like really mediocre song with a woman dancing around in a floral dress in fucking October um yeah that's that's probably one of the worst ads that I've seen and worst job you've had worst job I've had probably direct golf collecting range balls at 5am on a Saturday morning just before a nine hour shift that's probably one of my worst. Like, like Dara Golf was a great job. Um, uh, I'll tell you what another one was, actually. I worked for Direct Line in a call centre, and it, you had to try and sell breakdown cover <laughs> over the phone, but you weren't, it was called non-advisory sales. So you, would, you weren't allowed to give advice, but you still had to sell. So you could just give them all the layout, like this is... Um, you can you can be picked up from home, blah, 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 blah. And then they might say to you, well, which package do you advise? I'm not allowed to advise. And you have to try and sell it like that. Was that financial guidelines or something? Or was that just direct line as a whole? Financial, it, was, it had well, to be called non-advisory sales. So you weren't allowed to actually give them any advice, which was <laughs> the weird. And it was like, well, how many you sold today? People just decided not to have it because you can't persuade them. So, yeah, that was that was the weird. But, yeah. Collecting golf balls at six o'clock on a on a Saturday morning was probably one of my worst jobs at Direct Golf. Followed by an hour's training, followed by a nine hour shift. Yeah. Remember yeah. it well. Still lives in the room very strong to this day. Um going into a little bit more serious stuff, obviously sort of career to date. I don't know how far you want to go back, but just a, an overview of career to date and then of course what you up to now. Yeah, of course. So um started work at fifteen years old at Direct Golf UK. Um, where started working with Gatch. Um, so I worked at Direct Golf, worked at Direct Line for a bit as well, part-time. Then I went to Comet, then I went back to Direct Golf, then I went to Dixon's Estate Agents, completely change of um, direction. Worked at Dixon's, um, in like, so then started in the estate agency game, now work at Visor's Estate Agents and run my own company on target design which is websites digital marketing um specializing in more like the mortgage advisors field and set up a company called golfcoursevouchers.com which is going to be going live very soon and that's selling golf course, golf vouchers to the the gift market opposed to the golfers market so we used to have it at golf at the golf shop a wife would come into the shop and go what balls do i buy him or what do i get him for christmas it's that market that we're targeting. So people that don't know what to get the golfer that's got everything, none of those novelty socks, none of those exploding golf balls, <laughs> get them out of golf instead. <laughs> Probably a sensible choice, isn't it? I think that's the one thing yeah. that sold at Dara Golf was a game of golf. And I think, yeah, they used to come in, for anybody context of the situation, you just have a wife and a daughter would come in, buying some golf balls is his birthday. And then the first question all of us would ask, what's he playing with? I don't know. Right. Okay. Well, how much? And then we'd have to search through the system. It'd be like a 20 minute job just for 
999 golf balls. So well, the thing is, it's like how much, how much, how much does he spend on golf balls? And the wife goes, "Oh, he only spends twenty quid." You full well knowing that he's been in here and bought a box of Pro V's at forty quid and not told his. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's so true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that's it. Yeah, rings truth though, doesn't it? Because the amount of people that used to go, "Don't tell the wife I've bought a new set of clubs," and he used to put the iron covers on. So they Chris, I'm buying this set of irons, but can you put 300 quid on my card and I'll give you 200 cash? Like, why? Well, I told the missus I was only going to spend 300 quid on my golf clubs. <laughs> it's just you'll see on the bank statement. <laughs> memories. That is memories. Um, so that's pretty much what you're up to now, then. So, what is it that you're doing now? Obviously, I think one of my questions was dream profession. I'm assuming from that, knowing you pretty well, and for anybody, for the two people that are listening, is this pretty much where you want to be at? Is this sort of the dream profession at the moment? My dream profession would be the, something designed, something creative. I like to be quite creative. So I'm not weird. I'm not like Paloma Faith kind of creative, but I'll be creative in my own way, especially with websites, I think, because there's like a structure of it. But well, everybody's goal is to sit by the pool every day and only have to do two or three hours of work, isn't it? That's the dream profession. But um, I, I love I love design. I love creative side of things. That's that's that would be my dream profession. Now coming straight off about work again, uh, yeah. a little three or four probably easy questions. Not nothing to do with career or business or anything. Um, best film. Best film. Best film. Best film. Schindler's List. Oh, good voice. Uh, favourite TV show? Uh, probably The Big Bang Theory. That's... Bit of Sheldon in your life if you've not got him in there at the minute. Get him in there. Get him in there. Um, Netflix, Amazon, Disney Plus or Sky? If you had to choose one, what are you going for? Netflix. 100% on Netflix. Everyone's going for Netflix, aren't they? Everybody's going. Oh, I've got Disney Plus at the moment, but I haven't got Netflix. Weird, isn't it? And I've got Amazon, but I haven't got Netflix. You what? Do you watch much on that Disney Plus? Well, because it's a bit, you know, geeky, isn't it? A little bit Star Warsy stuff and and uh, and the Marvel type of stuff. You know, I watch all that thing, and there's loads more TV shows of those coming up. So I've got it in probably advance a little bit. Um, yeah. To be honest with you, I think it's more the other people in the house are using it for bloody printer stories and stuff because they're all into that. I'm like, okay, so I'll probably waste yeah. 50 quid for six minutes. Straight after this podcast, Gatch is going to be downstairs, full on tutu. <laughs> down the, the, what is it like? One of the Princess Diaries films. That is going to be the next podcast episode. Gatch you know me too. You know me too well, Chris. That's the problem. <laughs> you know me too well. Um, favourite song or song that, you, that you're into at the moment? Uh, favorite song ever is "Somebody Else's Guy" by Jocelyn Brown. Ooh, okay. Oh, okay. Don't think I've ever heard of that one. I'm rubbish with names. Anyway, I'd probably listen to it. And go, oh, that one. Okay, but it's the actual name of the song. I don't got a clue. So, uh, anybody who's actually wants to check that one out, I'd suggest check it out. Right. So, I know start the career. We went through direct golf and so on and so forth. And again, I mean, I can do it if you want. But explain just what direct golf was as a whole i think it was probably at peak golf time golf superstore time peak of membership time where direct golf started pretty much it was when golf was very much a, a massive sport in this country um it still is but it's just slightly different now um start your career there what what's 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 direct golf and what made you choose golf started there as a 15 year old um 
part-time lad on a Saturday, dusting the shelves, sweeping the range. I remember the first day that I, I swept the range and I got blisters from the broom that was sweeping the carpet. That was nice. That was my first day. I think testing okay, the well. um, Making the brews, you know, the standard, the standard kind of stuff. Then I, then I started as full-time there. Um, and yeah, I went up to Edinburgh for a few months and managed a store up there. That was quite cool because I've got family up in Edinburgh. And then um, came back to Solihull, and that's where that's where I worked before I went to Comet. So uh, direct golf was good. Yeah, they were the main competitors against American golf. You'd do a hundred quid commission on a Saturday, which was just fucking amazing. I'd be like seventeen years old making a hundred quid on a Saturday for like just sweeping the range and selling a set of irons. That was those were the days, man. Um, but yeah, direct direct golf was good. I think I think people um, don't quite realise, is they that those type of environments, American golf, and especially when we were there, direct golf, it was all sales. So yeah, you love golf, and yes, you could be a golf pro, but you were actually a salesman. Deep now, you were trying to sell, and the whole way, the whole commission structure, and the whole salary packet, they were just like, right, pretty much you had to sell your nan some days, just to make a few quid. It was, it was <laughs> so how they got yeah, a little bit. Particular, particular products. I remember one year when they when direct golf bought in thousands of sets of uh, Nike Pro combos. And they put them in a crate in the middle of the shop. And I think they were maybe 149 or 249 or something. And they just just flew off the shelf. And that was when I think retail, sorry, manufacturers didn't really know the retail game. They couldn't um, forecast selling numbers. So you'd have all this excess stock. And that's where Direct Golf did so well. Whereas now, and that's why Direct Golf ultimately went under, was because people everything's made to order now you don't get the good deals as you used to you don't get the warehouse deals because clubs are made to order and i've been out the golf industry for years but i think you can't really buy a set off the shelf anymore you have to go in and get fitted and that's that's how good golf should be done i think yeah i remember um back in another golf shop nevada bobs before went to direct golf there you said we know exactly how many sets we're going to sell a year so we can't do bulk anymore you can't buy 50 sets and put it out cheap just to get the person in, hopefully to buy something else that's actually going to make a profit. But, I mean, it's the same with the supermarkets at the moment, isn't it? I think what generally happen is that probably while they're running out, people panic buying. At the same time, they've probably forecasted, well, we're going to sell this much in March, and this has happened, and then they've sold out, haven't they? So, um, that's where, it's where forecasting has become a lot more clever, hasn't it? People have developed systems to stop overspend, and that's what we're dealing in the world. In waste, the yeah, waste, waste and so the company overall like saves that. money, which is the whole point. So, um, yeah. yeah, so what was good and bad about direct golf? I mean, I know we could probably do an actual podcast just on direct golf, yeah, to be just fair. probably last about two hours about fun, funny stuff that we used to get up to in there, and some of the, the rubbish stuff and how the commission structure were. But as a quick overview, what was good and bad about it? Good stuff, I'll keep it short, good stuff with the staff. You always had a lark. You spent you did twelve hour shifts there uh, and it, you had to get on with the people that were there. That was that was the great part of it. The the other part was the um probably the way that people were treated in some scenarios, should we say. I've probably got a good idea what you're on about, yes. Um I, I don't mind overly just explaining to the audience what it was. Sometimes you would literally, the famous saying was, and we used to say it all the time to each other as a joke, just to sort of get us through that joke was, well, if you don't like it the way it is, you can go to McDonald's and flip burgers. That was pretty much the sort of the line and statement. And we'd like, 
And I think it was to the point where you go, well, you probably earn more money doing that. And then they sort of change a little bit the way they sort I of value staff. <laughs> the way the, the value in staff was nothing. They used to, I think they used, but they used to play on the point of you loving golf. Stay there a little bit. Yeah. You would because you didn't want to work anywhere else. Fine. The thing is, you didn't you didn't want to let the guys down in the shop. And I mean, I was on and off at Direct yep. Golf for nine years, so can't have been that bad, obviously. Um, but it was you just didn't want to let the guys down the shop. If if you were told to come and collect balls on a Saturday morning at six in the morning, you'd only do it because you didn't want to let the rest of the guys down in the shop. And it would be everybody would turn up. There wouldn't be one member of staff that would turn around and say, "No, I'm not doing it," because you wouldn't want to let your mates down. I agree with that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because we all got on to just in case we just do it just so hopefully you could well, turn up on Saturday, pretty much. Um, cool. And then you said you went to Dixon's, which is part of Countrywide, didn't it? So you've done a total. You've gone from golf industry or retail, and then you've gone right. I'm going into the property industry. I remember you telling me for all those delivery days in the back, me and you used to do with Ant. That you said I'd love to get into the property industry at some point. And literally, I think it was only a few months after I left. You pretty much left as well, went straight into it. So um, how did that all come about? Was it just a case, oh, I'll apply and see what happens? And- yeah, just, I, I sent my CV out to, I think, four or five different estate agents. And I got one call um, from Dixon's and uh, telephone interview, full interview, and got the job. Yeah, I just, I thought to myself, I want to get into property. Um, my uncle that um, I've done, help, I've helped him on houses before he's in property. And I just thought it's an industry I really want to get into and get to know. So, yeah, so that's when I went to on to Dixon's Estate Agents. And I was there for 2014, I think it was maybe three or four, four years maybe at Dixon's. Um, but, yeah, learned the training there is absolutely phenomenal at Dixon's. If, you, if you're thinking about getting to an estate agent, go to a big company, go to a Dixon's that are owned by Countrywide, go to a Connell's and, and really get to know your trade there because they'll, they'll train you fantastically. Right, cool. Okay, that's a little nice bit of advice. Anybody wants to get into it? Was there any particular? Was it your uncle? The reasoning that you also worked to your uncle a little bit about why you wanted to get into yeah, the industry? He, he had he had a portfolio of properties, and I wanted to get to know properties because that that's one of my goals is to have a portfolio of properties. I want to get to learn learn the ins and outs of properties, so I know what I'm looking for when I go to buy a property. And I'm I've probably I've said property about seven times there in the same sentence. So I'm trying properties. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was to get to know the industry. That's that's ultimately why I did it. Even though you've got your other bits and bobs like on target design and this golf voucher sort of business as well, you're still doing it, aren't you? Yeah, still doing it, yep. So working with an independent estate agent in Redditch, um, called Visors Estate Agents. So um again, still in the industry. It's working with an independent is completely different to working with a corporate company. Because the independence is whatever customers you've got on your books, they're just your customers. Those are the one ultimately that are, that are paying the bills. Whereas the corporate company, there were so different, so many different arms to the business compared to just this. This is this is more looking after the actual people themselves. I feel right. Okay, so I suppose that's how, well. Ultimately, I suppose like with any sort of industry, though, isn't it? It's how the little man sort of copes, yeah. isn't it? Or the independence for anything you look after your base of customers very well to the point where they don't even look at you. Well, that's where I think we've got the estate agency model, and this is what Purple Bricks have done, is going down the American route where you're not so much dealing with a company anymore, you're dealing with a person. And that 
you buy into that person. So if you can create a personal brand around your face, whichever company you go and work for, or which, do you know what I mean? Whatever you do, they'll always follow you. Mm. So if, if I went and set up on my own tomorrow and just did everything estate agency, I would, I could have a book of people that I know will just deal with myself. And that's where personal branding is so important, which we'll come on to in a bit. Um, but yeah, that's where I think the estate agency world's going. It's going more towards the personal approach rather than these huge conglomerates that control the whole market. And that's where Purple Bricks and a few others have killed, sort of killed, made a massive dent in them recently, just because it's, yeah. out, it's uh, cheap and it's, you know, they haven't got an office to worry about. It's all online and it's just... Exactly. People are usually good from what I hear. I, I've never dealt with anybody. Yeah, from what I hear, they're usually good. At the beginning, a lot of estate agents had like this vendetta against them. You've, you've screwed the industry up. You've reduced commissions of selling houses. But actually, it's good because all the estate agents have had to step up their game. The big difference between Purple Bricks and a high street estate agent is Purple Bricks, you pay them um, the fee at the beginning or after 10 months. So you'll pay them for all the advertising, everything they do, regardless if they sell or not. Whereas a high street estate agent, you don't pay them till it all goes through. I suppose it depends on the area where you live. I suppose somewhere like Stratford, for instance, out on the market, within a day, it's sold nine times out of ten. I suppose it'd be useful for purple bricks, I guess. Elsewhere, I suppose it right. depends you're, on the area. You're confident in selling your house, or you're confident in dealing with everything, that's fine, but... There might be, for example, a Mrs. Smith that lives on her own who doesn't want to meet the people that are viewing a house. She doesn't want to have to deal with all the after sales and the solicitors process. That's where these online estate agents probably aren't the best for her. But in other essence, they've got a completely different end of the market. You can't appeal to everybody with a estate agency. You need to have like your, your core core customers that you're going that you're going to deal with. Okay, so it depends on what you want, really, isn't it? I guess if yeah, of course. online or exactly well you either go to iceland or you shop at waitrose depending <laughs> on what you want yes yeah i guess as well i'm not gonna go into that <laughs> that's my theory on it anyway um but cool um and then you've t on target design tell us a little bit about that because i know when i was working with you we pretty much did it simultaneously didn't we where i I did a college course and I went to night school to do a little bit of coding and so did you at the time. Yeah, we didn't really realise we were both doing it so we just sort of mentioned it um, in passing yeah. one boring day in the golf shop during the week. Um, and from there, I know you've gone from jump to jump from here with your is it, on target design, isn't it? Yeah, on, on target design. So that's my company, on target with two T's at the end because that's my surname. Um, obviously, there'll be loads of typos in that. Uh, so on target design, um, yeah, did the same, did a night school course, realised there's a lot of stuff out there on the internet, which if you are on lockdown at the minute, you could learn a hell of a lot about web design if you've ever been into it. It's not for everybody. Uh, learned a lot and then really learned how to pick up customers. And my main thing was just talking to people about it. Uh, obviously in, in the industry of, of houses you meet so many different people you're out there constantly speaking with people so yeah I've, I've yeah i've learned how to build websites but more importantly i've learned how to sell myself as a company um so yeah it's going from strength to strength good yeah yeah i don't know you're doing um sort of looking after mortgage advisors you were saying just off recording didn't you, you were saying you're looking after mortgage advice social media and stuff yes yeah so i kind of fallen into this but it's an industry that i quite i quite enjoy actually um looking after mortgage advisors and their social media 
because a mortgage advisor talking about this personal branding again, it doesn't matter which company they work for. If you've had your mortgage through somebody, you want them to try and refer you to more people. Um, that's where Facebook page, we find Facebook's probably the most effective. A Facebook page for a mortgage advisor is fantastic because that Facebook has that got that community feel to it. And it's where most word of mouth business comes from. So I'll help them set up their Facebook pages, run their Facebook pages, uh, run competitions, help them get into local community Facebook pages. Uh, and I'm really enjoying it. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's going really well. I'm going to set up a separate, um, almost like company entity that's just going to be called like social for brokers. And it will just revolve around uh, mortgage brokers and helping them with their, with their social media. Cool. Well, you can plug that later. That's something you can definitely plug. Um, then you said you've been a little bit of a U-turn and gone, well, start flirting again with the golf industry again. Uh, you're talking about the perfect gift in terms of the golf vouchers and so on and so forth. Just with the way golf is now, do you think that will be sort of perfect timing? because memberships will drop because of what's going on with the virus and so on and so forth do you think it never came off the back of that it was um i've been brought on board to look after the website and the marketing side of it so if you see the hashtag give the gift of golf you'll know that that's golfcoursevouchers.com and what it's about is people like the the golf industry that we spoke about the the gift industry there's not much out there at the moment but what's actually happened with COVID-19 is it has forced people to think, well, I maybe can't have that golf membership, but I could buy a golf course voucher to go and play a course that I've not played before. Um, that's the market that we're going to be, that we're going to be going after. It's, it's more the gift market, but I think now by default, we are going to get a lot of people that, okay, so I've not paid my thousand pounds to join smith street golf course but i could maybe pay 500 pounds for different golf course vouchers up and down the country yeah that's um, that's pretty much i was thinking as well when when you yeah. mentioned me i thought probably might crack because people aren't going to afford the grandy grandy year anymore but they might afford two rounds of golf a month keeps them interested in the game and you know what it is catch it's with with a golf course if i phoned up a golf course tomorrow and i went right i want to play golf this week how much is it well it's £30 on a Tuesday, we're doing a special offer on a Friday at £40, on a Saturday it's £60 between the hours of four and three, but you can't play then, you can't play then. Mate, I just want to know, how much is it for me and my mate to come and play golf? Whereas we're taking all of that out of it, they go to golfcoursevouchers.com, they see Smith's golf course is 40 quid for a two ball or um, 70 quid for a four ball, which one do you want to book? And those vouchers will have it clear on the bottom when you can play and what times. So there I know I've spent 40 quid, I get a code, I phone the golf course and I go, mate, I've got this code, blah, 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 blah. Can I book it in for tomorrow? Yep, no worries. Away you go. Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me. Um, moving back onto the website side of things, are you saying about your particular, for the golf voucher side of things? Just for anybody listening, again, probably for the two people that are going to listen to this, what makes a good website? Um, and also as well, for the back of that, I hear this still countless to this day when I'm talking to somebody about a website. Somebody will say, well, I don't need one. And I'd automatically go, okay. But and they, if they don't, they don't. I don't try to push it. I'm like, okay, cool. If that's the way you are, that's, that's, I understand the reasoning behind that. And I'll leave it at that. I just wonder what your take on the two would be. If you don't have a website, you're simply going to lose business. 
what is the first thing you do when you hear of a company? You go and Google them. If you haven't got a website, you've lost them. Simple as that. That's so many people I've spoken to. You are simply going to lose business if you haven't got a website. What makes a good website is one that's, I always say that the homepage needs to have a screenshot of what your business is about. So you've got to have good images on there, but you've got to have your message on there. How I can get in contact with you, what you do and what services you offer. You just need a screenshot on the first page of what that encapsulated really. But if you haven't got a website, you're going to lose business, simple. And you don't mean lose business by lose what you've currently got. Otherwise, you mean anybody, potential totally. new business to keep growing in you as well. That's, yeah. that's the because key. Right. Mr. and Mrs. Smith are sat at home and they want to um, learn about woodwork. That's what they want to do. So they, hit, they, they speak to a few friends and they say, oh, uh, there's a guy called John Smith who runs this woodwork class. And it's phenomenal. It's absolutely amazing. Oh, amazing. Let's Google it. Google it. There's nothing on Facebook. There's nothing website. First thing you question, do they actually exist? Are they giving me the right name? And then, and then you delve a bit deeper and you realize that they've got a yell.com listing, but they haven't got anything else. Well, to me, I want to see the kind of products that Mr. And Mrs. Smith want to see the products that are being made in that woodwork class. They want to learn a bit about John where he's got his expertise from. If they can't get hold of that information, they're then going to Google woodwork classes near me. And if you don't come up in that search, you, you, you've lost them already. Why build up that personal brand? Why build up that authority in your field for them not to put an advertisement out there about how good you are? Yeah, I 100% agree. I think you've literally yeah. just hit the nail on the head. Yeah, yeah. Okay, move, swiftly moving on from that, I mean, I know some people have got Facebook pages but haven't got a website, which I'm always like, so you're on the right thing, Facebook, but you ain't got a website, that doesn't make any sense. They just won't commit to having a website and such. Um, from a digital marketing sort of place, um, from a point of view as well, Facebook ads, there seems, or, or any type of ads from LinkedIn to Google AdWords to whatever it is, um, still seems to be a debate if they could or not for this reason i don't know why but there still is a debate about it good bad what's, what's your thoughts on it i know what uh, you're saying, but... delved into facebook ads much um i've run a few campaigns for people i say campaigns i've run some adverts for them my essence is I've, it's it's the only way that you can target adverts to specific people specific age specific sex there's nowhere else that you could retarget somebody in such a way so I think they are phenomenal, especially, I mean, for example, we ran one the other week that was 111 quid and it, it was in like 30,000 people's news feeds in a particular target that we wanted. So for that, it's phenomenal. There's no other way. If you went and dropped 100 quid's worth of leaflets with labour and everything and put them through people's doors, you're never going to be able to do 27,000 houses. So for me, it, it's very good to get the name out there, but... I know there are gurus out there that can turn a hundred quid into 500 quids worth of leads or whatever the cost of the product is. So yeah, I do agree with Facebook ads, but I'll be honest, I'm not a pro in them. So I couldn't really pass comment on how effective they are, but I think it's a good way to spend money. But even just that, if you're not a pro and you've just hit, I mean, customers at 30,000 or whatever it was. 30,000 people, yeah. A hundred quid, just put your name out there, then no brainer. And I think so many people fall into the trap with Facebook adverts is they think they're going to get so many leads straight away. 
it's like it's the magic thing that we okay we'll spend a hundred quid on them and we'll get five leads it doesn't work like that it might be that that person sees your advert then in two months time googles your company again because they've remembered your name and you've got a lead off that but you haven't got any way of proving that that person originally saw your face uh, saw your company through facebook adverts but it is out there you've just got to continue it out with the ad haven't you a little bit it's like a newspaper yeah. ad isn't it eventually somebody's gonna pick up the phone and speak to you but the difference is you just guarantee people are on facebook all the time that's where yeah. everybody's eyeballs are at at, at the moment and if, i mean if you think so if you think stupidly if you think completely out of the box carrier bags for for supermarkets so if somebody sat there in the advertising department and when we're going to cut, we're going to take all the um, logos off our carrier bags because it's costing us 20 grand a year and we're not seeing the return on investment of that. People would be like, that's just stupid because the name is on the carrier bag just so our brand is out there and people get to know who we are. You wouldn't cut that 20 grand because you're not seeing a direct correlation between carrier bag printing and leads. But what you are seeing is you are getting your name out there subconsciously. People are seeing your brand of Sainsbury's over and over and over again. Yeah. yeah. Not necessarily they're buying straight off the back of that, but it's like the seven points of contact, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I remember um, direct golf running out of bags at once, and I remember the owner of that flipping out because he said, Who's going to know what the shop person passing the street? Same thing, isn't it? I remember that vividly. Um, moving on quickly from that is. Um, our plat- platforms at the moment there's millions of them at the moment on their platforms and social media what at the moment is your take on what's hot what is if you're lucky haven't got any social media accounts but you're thinking i want to grow as a business but i want to try and i get some leads off it yes it's a long-term project with any social media is there one that particularly stands out in your mind that you go right you need to be on that as end of depends on the product or the service but i would always say facebook facebook's still number one for me um, Instagram is a great way in my eyes. So Facebook to be really quite business focused, a bit of personality branding in there. Instagram is more about the day-to-day running of the business. Your, your silly Instagram stories, um, good images that you're uploading, those kind of things. Uh, LinkedIn is really good for lead generation, especially if you're a service-based business. TikTok, yeah. obviously it's a huge app, but I don't use it. I can't really give any comment on it, but I think it's going to be big. Um, and then Twitter, haven't used in years. Um, in my eyes, personally, I feel like Twitter's a bit of like a news feed rather than a social platform. Yeah. But I TikTok's use... going to be massive. If you can nail it now, mate, get on it. I use Twitter purely for that, if I'm honest. I, don't, I can't remember the last time I've actually posted something. I might make a comment on something. Um, but yeah, just in terms of a quick what's hot at what's the moment, going? what's trending, let's have a quick look. Most of my stuff. Anyway. What's Piers Morgan arguing about? <laughs> yeah, who's he calling such as such as such as such? Yeah, that's pretty much that. Um, well, let's go back onto TikTok then very quickly. In, what are you saying is going to be hot or is there any particular like purpose behind that? Saying it's going to be... This is really just echoing what Gary V is saying. What... Social media is made for kids to hide from their parents. So Facebook, they created Facebook because it was a university thing. They wanted to upload things. What they were doing at university without the parents seeing. Parents then got on Facebook. They moved to Instagram. Instagram stories and, and Snapchat a bit was 
look, we're going to be creative. This is this is our youngsters' platform, and then the average age then crept up. TikTok is a place where kids can do stupid videos. Well, it was before their parents could see, but now the parents are on it. <laughs> and I mean, I'm not being funny, but if I'd released some of the videos that are on TikTok at the minute, I'd have been bullied as a kid. You know what I mean? If you imagine it, if you uploaded a video of you and your mate kicking heels and doing this dance, you, the guy would be at school would be like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, especially you know, our generation. We've got yeah, school by, yeah. um, and I think that's great because they can express themselves and all this drama and stuff. But um, it is, it's a big platform because the people, the people that have businesses, if you think of a clothing brand, well, your whole target market is on one app. That's just phenomenal. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Or, or you sell um, iPhone cases or sorry, iPhone like cameras or, you know what I mean? Like the little, the little, the little lights on them. Um, yeah, I just think TikTok's gonna TikTok will only get bigger because the kids are on there now. I say the kids, people up to kind of like up to the nineteen, twenty-year-olds. But now, what you'll see is the gen, the general age will start creeping up, and you will find things like the the web designers on there and the the car. Do you know what I mean? Car adverts because the age will be creeping up. So yeah, TikTok's going to be the next biggest thing. But I would say Facebook first, Instagram, and then TikTok if you're any good at dancing to Sean Paul. To be fair, yeah, I've got a TikTok account because I've just been consuming some uh, content. I can't dance, so I'm like, okay, I've got to think of something different. <laughs> Where hopefully this, some of this content will go. This is I can't dance, so I'm not going to bother trying to dance over. Um, Sorry for anybody who knows me deep down. Um, cool. what, would, what would you say is your? What would you say to a client? What are the social media channels that you need? Um, again, it depends on what they're looking for. I mean, if you're a business, right? If you're an absolute business, I'd go in LinkedIn. Uh, the reason I say LinkedIn is the organic growth there. You can put a reasonably good post out who likes, and that view count will go up. It's not the moment where if you're doing it between friends on Facebook the top five people actually look at your profile regularly will be able to look at it if you do a good piece of content or have a good piece of content and that gets shared a couple of times the reach on that is huge where um so for me i'd be like if you're a business and especially you b2b a lot of the time is linkedin i've got to have an account on there it's so scary the amount of people that don't um but again i'm coming back from a recruiter's background where linkedin was pretty decent to use it was, it was good for that reason um you know, but for me, I think we've just set up one where I'm working now. Um, and we've had, I think I've grown that. It's been about three, four weeks worth of content. We're up to, I think, five or six followers, which I know is not a massive amount. But we've had more followers on that than we have anywhere else at the moment. Which is... Five percent more than it was at the beginning. Exactly, yeah. So I've had, we've got, I think on Instagram now, I've only got one or two. We're just figuring out what the best way to do it. And then... So yeah, I think LinkedIn in terms of that's good. Um, I think it, it ultimately depends on what you're going to market, how much you're going to spend, what you're looking for. I think Facebook's great. I think Instagram's good. There's a lot of crossovers now because they're owned by the same company. I think YouTube's really good, um, especially if you can do vlogs and blogs and podcasts and so on and so forth. Um, I think you've just got to then figure a way to go LinkedIn. If your target audience is younger, as you were saying, and TikTok, where everybody's at at the moment, I mean, you just need to go to the google play from my android phone and see what downloaded the most social media wise and you'll see LinkedIn top 
Facebook, still all up there. So yeah, I think they're all good for their own way. You just got to figure out which one is going to be good. But I think if you want, if you're B2B, LinkedIn, you can't be LinkedIn, in my personal opinion anyway. Um, quickly moving on from that one. Um, talking about followers, does the amount of followers matter? No. Overview on that reason why? <laughs> Sorry, yeah, that's a really shit podcast. Answer that, and it just no. Trying to press him for an answer. <laughs> um, no, I think I would rather have five hundred followers that interact with my content than than ten thousand followers. It is a shame because Instagram algorithms and everything like that will favour the the, the um, accounts that have more followers, and you will get more interaction from people that want you to do influencer marketing um, but i would rather have um, a good amount of followers that always interact with my content that's that would be my personal view on it so you're talking about brand earlier personal brand especially um yeah. so i was going to go brand versus a company i think the famous saying goes isn't it you go go to Nike to buy a pair of trainers you go and buy Nike because it's Nike isn't it or Apple because it's an Apple phone isn't it you don't go you know they do phones but deep down it's because the brand I want the brand more than the actual product the product because if you think about it now especially on the phone market everyone's caught up with Apple in my opinion some of it surpassed it but you still have the Apple phone because it's Apple so talk about personal brands earlier brand versus company or personal branding why should people look at doing a personal brand or making sure their company becomes more of a brand than the other way around. What's your views on that? Uh, I would I would always say brand because it doesn't matter what company you work for in the world. Your brand is all is, is your it's your company really if you think about it like that. Um, your your face is your business card. It's all these cheesy corporate lines. Do you know what I mean? But it's so true that if you say if you work for your company now and you have five clients that work with your company because of you if you up and left to another company they would come with you because they bought into you as a person you can't you've got to create your own personal brand it doesn't matter if you work for a huge corporate company you've got to build your own personal brand and that's where the likes of linkedin are perfect for it if you think all these people are um talking to you on LinkedIn, they like the stuff that you put out and then all of a sudden you up and leave and move to another company. Nothing's changed, but your job title on your LinkedIn, people are still going to be speaking to you. People are still going to be interacting with you. That's how it should be in real life. They work, they want to work with you rather than the company that you work for. This is not a brag because trust me, I didn't do much content when I was a recruiter, but the amount of times that I'd have old candidates come back to me, on Gareth, I'm looking for a job. Yeah, recently I'm like, I don't work in it anymore, but I can put forward to somebody I do know that can help you out. I've had about six in the last probably three months since the start of the year before obviously all this happened. To your personal brand, isn't it? Obviously, I must have done to it when I spoke to on the phone for them to go, oh, I think of Gareth to yeah. want another job. Because he placed me somewhere a couple of years ago who were happy to get that job. So, um, like you say, so it is important. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. And in sales and marketing, very over... You've got salesman that goes... Marketers, marketers just do stuff for the sake of it. You go, marketers, they go, you don't really, to the salesman, you don't really send that message home. Um, but they work together. They work so close together. It's ridiculous. But there are eight of them like that all the time. Have you got any particular views on that at all? Or are they just echoing? You need, you need to do both, really. You can't, you've got, you can't have sales without marketing. And there's no marketing if you're not bringing any sales in. So you need to be 
working on the leads that you've got now, but you need to be doing marketing now to make sure you've got leads in the future to work on. So you, they have to work hand in hand. And you always see clashes in it because salesmen are very much, right, what have you got for me now? Whereas marketers are like, right, what can we create in six months' time? And because that's where you, you the balance. That's where you get like a lot of companies will now put the marketing budget around. It's the first thing to go, marketing budget. Yeah, purely because they're like, I need to sell to the door. But then, yeah. so it's, it's but then one, six months' time, they'll be, they'll be scratching around going, well, why haven't we got so many leads? Because you cut the marketing six months ago. Yeah. It's, it's about planning six, nine, 12 months ahead of yourself, maybe two, three, six, five years if you've got to. So, yeah, I agree with that. You um, can't just out today. You can't say, I've got five leads today. That's amazing. Great. What happens next week when I've dealt with all those leads? And then you think, well, where are the new leads coming from? Well, we didn't do anything last week to influence this week. So what can you expect? You've yeah. put nothing in, so you're going to get nothing out. It's as simple as that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 100%. Yeah, I can't, can't disagree with oh, you. I can't, no, I can't disagree at all. Um, that's quite good for Gatch, that Gatch can't argue, because I know it's one of his favourite hobbies. <laughs> I don't always argue. I'm quite, actually, you know, the first few podcasts, I actually listen quite a bit more than talks. I know it's uh, hard to believe. I know anybody knows me. If I've got an opinion on something, I'm private. Um, voice. Obviously, this podcast is a voice-orientated sort of piece of content. Um, yeah. Obviously, I can turn it into a video. I can turn it into other bits of content and so forth. Yeah, probably all the gurus are on especially LinkedIn and around YouTube, social media, saying voice is going to matter. You've got any points of view on that? Because I have heard you do from time to time. Yeah, vo voice, it's going to be big. I mean, if you think now you can just set a reminder on your phone just by voice or you can set an alarm on your phone, it saves me, this is a first world problem, it saves me opening my phone, directing to the clock, pressing alarm and setting the time. I could just <laughs> save my phone. Do you know what I mean? It's, that seems so trivial, but it's true. The big thing tying in personal branding to voice, and again, this is what Gary Vee talks about, is in five, ten years' time, instead of me, say if an estate agent, for example, instead of me saying, Alexa, Book me, book me an appointment with, book me a valuation with an estate agent. Amazon have been paid five grand by Jones' estate agents to be top of that list. So Amazon won't even give me a choice. They will just say, yep, I'll book you an appointment with Jones' estate agents next week. Okay. What you need to be doing is if you've created that brand, go, Alexa, book me an appointment with Gareth Serdo, estate agents. Now, the reason that they say Gareth Serdo's estate agents because the last five years, you've been building a brand. So you haven't paid Amazon to make sure that you're top of the list. The customers ask for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. Yeah. yeah. Saying that to the podcast, if they can all respond. But <laughs> it's... <laughs> you've yes, got to make yes. sure. Yeah, you've got to put it in the comments. Um, you've got to make sure that your brand is the strongest so they ask for you because Amazon will just book valuations for houses with the highest bidder. At the minute, Google AdWords, you can have two companies up there or you could have all your search results beneath. With voice, that's not going to be an option. They're just going to sell information to the highest bidder. That's it. So that's where I think branding now is going to help you with voice in five years' time. His voice is going to be the new Google Ads, isn't it? Instead of yeah. bidding to get to one, two, or three, 
you're just going to be right i need i don't know a bottle of water or maybe 24 bottles of water and they'll go heavy on buxton or whoever wouldn't they whoever pays for that most to be number one in the search exactly yeah, that's exactly what it is so evian have bid them five grand but buxton have said 10 grand so Alexa is going to order me 12 bottles of Buxton because they've paid Amazon for the highest bidder. And this is where Google need to be really careful. They need to get their Google home above Amazon because without that, what have Google actually got? Amazon's going to be the voice and Amazon's going to be the search engine essentially. So what has Google got left then? They've not yep. got Google AdWords left. They've not got any search engine left. I will do all of my searching for whatever I need through my Amazon Alexa. So Google have really got to step it up, and I would be worried for them that they're not gonna they're not gonna embrace this voice side of things as they should be doing. Is it as good? Google, I haven't got a Google Home. What's the, I'm not I haven't dealt with it either, to be fair. But if you, if I said to you, what's the name of a voice? a voice um, device in your house, what would be the first one you go to? Brand, not Amazon, but the brand Alexa. Yeah. Alexa, that's it, simple. What We've got one of those, when people like when people change from I'm going to search for something on the internet, they've ser- they're saying now I'm going to Google it. Well, how many times have somebody said, oh, I've got one of those Alexa thingies at home? It might even be a Google Home, but they're calling it an Alexa thingy because that was the that's the one that's a brand. Yeah, yeah, I agree. A tangent there. Yeah, no, it's true though, isn't it? The Alexa thingy. That's true. Everyone says that. I got Alexa, and you go there. It's like, oh, to Google Home or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> Automatically, yeah. it's the Alexa thingy. Um, going on about personal brand, and obviously we've talked a little bit about social media. I mean, I think we can go a lot more and more, a lot more in depth. But um, if someone that says, "Well, why have I got to change and go to social media?" Because what I've done is always worked, and that's just having ten salesmen and out 10 100 calls a day and eventually we've got business what would you say to them to sort of change their mind at all have you got anything that you'd sort of give them an example i don't always say they need need to get away from the interruption marketing so like you say there the phone calls that's interruption marketing because it's it's something that interrupts their day-to-day so i'm sat here doing a podcast and i I, if i got a call now from a call center i wouldn't want to pick it up because it's interrupting my day whereas if on Facebook I've uploaded something that's quite valuable, again, say if it's like a woodwork class, I upload a video of me doing woodwork. As I'm scrolling through, it's not so much interrupting me like pop-up ads used to. It's it's within the feed, so it's quite it's obviously we call it organic, but it's natural and it's not interrupting. So yes, your Facebook page is there, you're doing loads of calls, you're advertising in the yellow pages but they're all interrupted marketing techniques. Whereas what we're trying to do is to really integrate it into people's day-to-day lives so it doesn't look like you're ramming your product down their throat. You're slowly mentioning it and they're seeing it now and again on Facebook or Instagram. That would be my answer to somebody that says, well, I'm fine with my social channels. What about those that say they haven't got time, which I hear time and time again? It's like, a, oh, I haven't got time to mess about with social. Um, what's your ultimate... You, you just say what well, I say. We really be left behind, and this is the reasons why. Do you, have you got well, this? Is where this is where we step in and do it for you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the ultimate sales message, yeah. All we're all we're selling with social media management is time. People haven't got the time to sit there and schedule three posts a week or create three posts a week. 
like for me, I haven't got time to service my car, so I'll go and pay somebody to do it. Or I haven't got time to, to wash the car, that's why I go and get a machine to do it. It's, it's all about time, that's all people are paying for. I think it's like so most businesses, isn't it? It's time. Why do you exactly. get a Tesco order? So I don't have to go to the shops on my life. Why, why, do we, why do we pay an accountant to do all of the returns? Because it's time. Yeah. You don't want to be sat there going through all your figures. You want to hire a professional that knows what he's doing and can do it in half the time that I was going to. So there you go, everybody. It's not so much we're actually selling or anybody does it from a freelancer's point of view. Not actually selling some of your services. We're actually saving time. You can concentrate on what works. You think justeat.com. So I could easily go out, get dressed, go out to the, the chippy, uh, take up, say, pizza shop, go to the pizza place, grab a pizza, come back, half an hour it would probably take me. That would be it. Okay. Or I could order it through Just Eat on my phone when I'm sat on the, the sofa and I could watch another hour of Netflix. So there, I've saved myself an hour's worth of time just by half an hour's worth of time just by using that app. That app saved me time. It's done nothing different. It's just delivered it to me. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's probably a better example than I could give to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. Um, going out then for other people that go all right. And so, what's the perfect amount of content to put out? Because the one thing I find a lot of people get that winds me up. They go, "You need to be perfect every post." And reality is every post is not going to be perfect. There's some posts you're going to get millions of likes, some you're not going to get zero, and nobody's going to pay attention to it. It is it's like um, adding, a, adding a newspaper, as an example. Is there, is there, for anybody who's wondering now, for perfection purposes, is there the perfect amount of content at any one time? I would say three posts a week minimum. That would be my advice. Three posts a week. Um, I'd always post one at the weekend. I'd post one midweek. And then the other one can fall as and when you want, really. Um, yeah, I was going to say, I got. I remember arguing with somebody who used to do some of the marketing with me at another job. I'm not going to tell you who. I'm not going to say where it was. But I remember talking about it. And I was like, you got to post on the weekend. Because at least I'll just stay ready for Monday morning. And they would, oh, no, no, don't need to do it on the weekend. I'm just like, you're crazy. Like, why wouldn't you? But we do it on the weekend. Most people are on their phones, isn't it? We've, we've just got to say to people, it's most effective to do it at this time. And that's, that's why these scheduling tools do work quite well. Like I spoke about Hootsuite the other day on my Instagram, because it is a great way that if you haven't got the time during the week to upload the post, you could set three posts to go. Okay, they're not going to be um, the best posts because you're not doing it ad lib, you're not doing it there and then, but at least you're updating your Facebook post. How many people listen to this podcast search a company on Facebook and realise they haven't uploaded something since November 2019. How does that make you feel? You think, are they still in existence? Why are they not updating? Have they closed? What, what's going on? Whereas if you logged on there and saw they uploaded a post last week and the week before and then two the week before that, you think, all right, let's have a little look, look a bit deeper because I know this company's in existence. More than anything, gives you a bit more credibility, and you just pay a little bit more attention. You might go, No interest in the actual post, but you see 2020. All right, cool, okay, they're still existence. Yeah, exactly. Need to be a consideration to what that person's looking to buy. I think, how I look at it anyway. Um, no, yeah, I agree again, yeah, 100%. Um, in terms of 
was going to talk about people failing on social media, but I think your advice is going to be as mine. It's a long-term game, isn't it? I think people think, I'll put an ad out, like you said, on Facebook. We're going to get hundreds of, we're going to make five leads straight away. It's not going to be a, a bit thing at all, really. Um, social media blame game. Now, social media get blamed for everything. It does. I'm not saying I'm going to stick up for social media because at times it can't defend itself and what's and what they get up to and the data and all that. But in terms of the blame game, in terms of it's somebody's fault because they did that on Twitter, then what's your... I mean, I know I've got my views on it, but what, what's your sort of point of view on it in terms of when they go, well, social media is the devil. I'll just stick to doing what I've always done or don't go on social media because it's rubbish because it's getting my kid as such. such. Um, or... Um, uh, view I, on that? I don't think you can avoid it now. It's, it's part of life. And I think those people that are most against it in five years' times will be probably the ones that embrace it most. Um, the, that side of it, my kids aren't. My kids are spending loads of time on social media. Okay, but what are they doing on social media? Are they talking to friends? Are they watching stupid videos? Are they becoming a YouTuber? Do you know what I mean? What are they actually doing on social media? Is it like now? So, so if we think when I was when I was a kid. I'd probably just talk to all the kids on my block. That's the only people that I'd speak to. And then the people at school. Whereas now there's kids that can be speaking to, to people all over the world. And yes, there are the risks that come with that. I completely agree with that. Um, but they are a lot more social in terms of speaking to people, speaking to different types of people than we were kind of 20 years ago. So I think it's a positive instance in that. Obviously, the internet's a horrible place because people are just dickheads. Without people, social media would be great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. People, there's terrible things about bullying. It's, it's horrible to see it because people can, can be horrible. And that there's loads of things that, that people have been put in place. Like I remember seeing something on Instagram that if you write a sp specific set of words, it comes up and says, do you want to check? It's something like, is that is that kind before you post it? And I'm, that's artificial intelligence. Then it's working out what what humans are going to say to each other. Um, but I think social media is people don't talk about how much good it does in the world. People were like this about the internet when it came out. They were saying, "No, this is the devil." Look at it now. Nobody talks about the internet. They talk about how bad social media is. Five years time, there'll be something else. There's always you can't have something perfect where all humans agree on it. Yeah, yeah, that would be chance on social. Yeah, yeah, agree again. Yeah, I agree. I think it's for anybody. I mean, if anybody's worried about it, then you could directly monitor that doing on social media. But at the same time, the blame game. I mean, it's not the actual social media's fault, is it? It's the actual person writing it at the other end. It's the individual itself, and I think people forget personally. It's not Facebook writing that status for you. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't go, I'll take over and finish it off. Humans are yeah. just in changing the way we interact. Yeah. Um, next question would be free work. Do you do it? Do you agree to it? Should you not do it? Should you do it if you start up? 100% free work. Definitely. Definitely, 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 definitely. If you're not doing any free work, you are missing out on customers this time next year. So if you're not offering your services to free for people if you're just starting out as well you're an absolute douche any any particular reason why or was it just the opportunities that because nobody's going to trust you if you haven't got a portfolio of something yeah 
if you came to me and said, Chris, I build the best websites ever, right, where's your proof? Well, I haven't got any, but I want to charge you, I want to charge you three grand for your website. Well, you can't prove. Yeah, if you go to a company and say, I want to build you the best website ever and I'll do it for free as long as I can use you in my portfolio, great, let's do it. Then for the next consumer, right, I want to build your website, I can do it you for a thousand pounds opposed to three thousand pounds. This is an example of what you've done. I'm giving you a discounted rate here. Or you might do free, free websites. But if you're starting out in something, I think free work is the way to build your portfolio and really show people that you're serious about what you do. No, so I'll add to that as well. I think the biggest thing is well, people don't do or they or they are free work, but that means I've got to pay for the cost of running and so on and so forth. Sometimes, a is that a bad thing? Not really. I mean, I do it. I, I, I've done it before. I, I pay for the running of the website, or but I get something at the end of it, which is a win-win on both sides. But at the same time, if you ask most people, you just contribute to the up, upkeep of YZ, just so I could do the rest of the work for you. They, I'll do it with me because oh, it's a win-win. I don't have to spend a stupid amount of money to get, or what they appear to be a stupid amount of money, um, to get the service they want. What's your Best piece of content going on or going off the back of that? Do you think you've done? Um, I th- do you know what? I think it's I've started doing like a series of target talks at the minute, um, which are they started because I went out for my daily exercise like a dog when we've been locked down, um, taken out for a walk and a dump, a, oh, the dump up the lamppost. <laughs> no, I don't dump up lamppost just before anybody says anything. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so those are those are just things me talking about how people can help to grow their business, and I'm getting a lot of messages at the minute. They might just be very simple things like personal branding that we spoke about, how to schedule social media posts. I am getting some shit from mates, obviously, like you're a dickhead doing a video, you look like a knob, just as a joke, obviously. But then I'm getting a load of people message me saying, "Oh, what do you mean by this?" or "How have you done that on that video?" or "What should I do here?" That for me, that's free work. I'm I'm giving out content that I do every day for free to people, but it's valuable because people are getting in contact with me. So I would say that's probably one of the things that I'm getting most interaction on at the moment. And the reason I'm getting that is because I'm providing value. And yeah, with this lockdown, I think everybody's having to do that, like personal trainers doing free classes on the internet, um, companies doing free pub quizzes, those kind of things. People are having to offer free work. And I think people have got round to it, but if you're not offering free work, especially at the beginning, um, for me, it's going to be a lot harder to start. You might get lucky and get that real high-paying client to start with, but it'll be a lot harder than if you gave five free products and was able then to show somebody your portfolio. Cool, cool. Yeah, I agree, 100%. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's why I knew I'd get you on as well, because I need to take a lot of value just in that for people to take a different point of view on stuff. I know I've got a few more questions, and I know you've got not too much longer, so I'll zip through a few and probably mix out a couple. Have you got a favourite piece of content you actually love? It doesn't have to be your stuff, anybody's. There's anybody's a guy up? called Urgu Gallon, I think it is, U-R-G-U, on Instagram. Um, check him out. He does photography. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's not Urgue Gallon, but it's it's Eura Gallon, I think. And um, but he does photos 
like first world, third world photos. Can't, I don't know if I can find it. Um, but yeah, his content is absolutely stunning. Absolutely love it. And it's nothing to do with social, it's nothing to do with like digital marketing or anything, but it is, it's just, um, here we go. It's just amazing. So, um, I think he's going to hold it for the camera if anybody's going to actually it's watching this by video. So you oh, see wow. like red carpet there and then he's integrated into a woman yeah. holding a baby. Some of it is um, there's like a guy there sleeping on his sofa and then there's a bloke sleeping on the streets behind the police barricades. I don't know. Yeah, he's awesome. So his name's Ugur G A double L E N. He's fantastic on Instagram. Um, there you go. So yeah, he's got, he's got, he's got a free. He's got a free plug from uh, Target over here. So uh, <laughs> he's, got, he's got an absolute I'll free plug. Cast. <laughs> Maybe should. Um, uh, you've been a frontline worker, as in when I say frontline, as in general guy in the shop floor, as an example. You've also been in yeah. management. Um, between the two, is there something? Because I know your style of management is very different to somebody else that I've worked within the same place. Um, and I always felt you got a bit more out of most of the staff than the other person, all the other people, per yeah. say. That's not my personal anyway. Although, is that definitely what's going on there? Is there, is there something that people are not getting in terms of management wise? Um, just day to day running of people. I know sometimes some people aren't, don't really want to do it, or management is a pain in the ass, but it is part of business. Is there, is there, Something you think that the frontline oh, worker doesn't get about management? I don't do anything different. I just, I just found with management, it was always being part of the team instead of just standing up and barking orders. And I think that's how anybody will want to be treated. You don't want somebody above you to feel as if they're looking down on you. You want to feel as if they're with you. It's it's like the difference between a manager and a leader, isn't it? I'm in no way, shape, or form am I saying I was a leader, but I always was. I always was, let's do this all together, rather than I'll sit here and you go and do that. <coughs> um, that's where I think, and that's why I don't think you could become a manager in any industry unless you've worked your way up that ladder. So you you see things like um, estate agents, for example, where the director goes in or the MD or whatever it might be, goes straight in at the top and has never done a estate agency before. Well, that's just a recipe for disaster. Yeah. Which, yeah. which actually happened at Dixon's because they put somebody in that had never been an estate agent. Well, how can you give tips on how to run a company as an estate agent when you used to work in the health industry? It's, uh, it's, it's sort of even looking from that point of view, it's also understanding what, say, you as the agent's going through or why you didn't get that sale. So if you've been in there, you're like, okay, you didn't get it because X, Y, Z, I understand. I totally get it. Where I suppose somebody else comes from a different business and comes in, they're just, well, yeah, exactly. it. it seemed that hard to me, but I've not been have that knowledge, haven't you? That's what I think. With any any kind of management, you have to have gone through that process to understand what the staff are doing. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. That's where just a little story about Starbucks in two thousand and eight when they went around the recession through the recession. The head, the head honcho at the time, instead of just sitting in the office, whenever he finished work at six o'clock, he visited. I think it was about a year. Visited all the Starbucks stores worked a shift with the staff and said to the staff right what are we doing wrong what can we improve on and that was him going in because the people on the front line we always spoke about this at direct gold they knew what was going on in the market 
they they have their finger to the pulse of the market so that's why you went down to the shop level and said to people right what do we need to change look at starbucks now starbucks is it's like a fashion brand isn't it it's brand it's it's a brand yeah it's not just somewhere you go to get coffee yeah yeah hundred. I, I think that's the other thing as well people have not i'm always a big advocate of it isn't city staff in the front line they know yeah. it was like a big thing in the call center that changed something that was like, well, what the and everybody would moan 100 ages. Well, hang on a minute, this is not going to make our job harder, and it's not what the customer wants. But they'd just go through with the decision. Whereas, like, well, hang on a minute, you've got 100 guys going, hang on, and I'm not saying every single person's going to have the answer for it. And I know some are natural moaners, and I get that within the workforce, but I think listening and just going, okay, well, we can meet you halfway on something, make sure the customer's happy. It's yeah. Not, yeah, I think that's uh. Probably a bit of advice there, Target. I'll do. Um, five questions, really. What company do you do you not want to start, but which somebody else would? Oh, that's a good question, man. Um, what company do I want people to start, but I couldn't do it myself? Well, not so much couldn't, but wouldn't. Wouldn't. Um, that's a tricky one, that. So for me, as an example, I would go probably run a golf course or, or run a driving range, but I wouldn't want to do it again. Worked right. in it, done it. Well, go away. I just want to enjoy the game. Otherwise, I'd try and decide be not if I golf again, I get. Unless you're something different. So somebody to start up like a like a high-tech golf range or something? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, something totally different. I think the competitors, American golf won't go amiss, I guess. Then again, I wouldn't want to do it myself, if, I, if you know what I mean, even though I think it's great. You know what? Actually, talking about that, somebody to set up something to get kids back into golf. Because I loved it when I was a kid. But somebody needs to do something like, for example, Joe Wicks this week. He's got kids back into PE just by doing something fun and a bit different. Yeah. There needs to be somebody to grab the ball by the horns in the golf industry and say, right, my job over the next 10 years is going to be to get kids back into golf. That, I think that one thing I'd want to say. I think um, uh, the lad I've just done an interview with a couple of days ago, Morgan Jackson, he does his own golf school camps for kids. Yeah. Is it for the, like the week? And he's like, worst case scenario, it's cheap. It's daycare. Best case scenario is somebody joins the golf club as a 10 year old. He says he's been quite successful with that. So yeah, I think so. something like that, but more on a broader scale, wouldn't? Yeah, on a national scale. What's the biggest myth in business that you've heard? Fake it till you make it. <laughs> Standard. Okay. I yeah. just don't. I just don't see how you can fake something that you've never. Imagine somebody. Imagine me coming to you and go, right, Gatch, I can grow your business by a million pounds next year. You go. Have you done it yourself? Yeah, 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 I've definitely done it myself. That's faking it till you make it, no. But if I came to you and said, I could help grow your Facebook page, well, I've definitely done it. I'm not faking it there. So I don't, I don't believe in fake it till you make it. I believe in getting the right mindset and getting your mindset as if you've already achieved it in your mind and acting with that confidence. But I don't believe in faking it till you make it. Best piece of advice you've been told or heard? Ed? Um, best piece of advice it would probably be to get somebody on your side if you're ever selling to them get them to be find that common ground with them 
because then they're more likely to open up to you. And yeah. that was from the Darren, the Darren leg days at direct golf, getting somebody on the side, make it, making them your friend really. And that, that's all, that's all sales is that you've got to make sure they buy into you as a person. He was just a context of that. When he says down leg, he was one of the managers at direct golf. I think he's still working in the golf industry. I think he was one of those chaps who could literally sell ice to Eskimos. But at the same time, he'd, anybody that walk in, even the most moody to customers that wouldn't want to talk to you, he was the only one, one of the very few in there that would actually be able to mate out of it, wouldn't he? Scenario. Yeah. Out of it, or they'd be back for it. He was extremely good at that. So, uh, yeah, getting them on side straight away and finding that level playing field, isn't it, where they sort of relate to you. Um, biggest lesson you've learned in business so far? Um, is to get payment or fifty percent payment up front. <laughs> I've, uh, I had problem with that when I was younger. Built a whole website for somebody, and then they went, "Well, my supplier's not paying me, so I can't pay you." I was like, "Ah, oh, wicked." So yeah, so I always um, always look at getting fifty percent up front on things. That would be my lesson in business. What's is there anything particularly next in your business career? I'm guessing the golf vouchers, but have you got anything else lined up? Yeah, golf golf vouchers and um, a company dedicated just to mortgage advisors and their social media. That's cool. Those are my next two things on the on the horizon. Um, hobby wise, I mean, I know you obviously work in golf. You gotta like it. I don't think I've ever met anybody who works in golf that like it. Yeah. Is there anything outside of totally outside of work as a whole that you get up to in your spare time? If you've got any spare time, that is, I know it can be a bit. Um, what do I? I used to play squash a bit. I got into that. Quite enjoyed that. Um, that was good. But I don't really. Obviously, oh, try and I say try and keep fit. I've been for one run in the last like six months. Um, not no. That's sad, isn't it? That is really sad. I've really just got to do like a life order. Um, but no, I, I just I just enjoy I enjoy, enjoy building the business. I think I've, that's probably one of my hobbies. To be fair. He's just slowly grinding away at it and, and watching it get bigger and bigger. Um, yeah. yeah, I know what you mean because I was I, like somebody's asked me the same question before. I was like, "Oh, I enjoy listening to business podcasts. I could talk about it." Do you know what I mean? It's something that I'd probably start up or at least a podcast of some kind. And yeah, uh, you sad? What do you mean? Why would you do that? Like, oh yeah, sorry if that's not your cup of tea. Yeah, um, some people love. Um, like love going to the gym, but I've got massive respect for people that like love being at the gym. That's that's such a good hobby to have. It's one of the best things you can do. Um, yeah. I've tried it about ninety times. Well, I'm going to get into the gym this year, and not and or I'm going to get into the gym this quarter. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get into the gym this month, and every time I go, I'm like, I don't know how you can come in every night. Ah, oh, boring. Yeah, it's fair play to them. Yeah, not my cup of tea. I know that. I think I've got the player sport to really. Enjoy something. That's why I enjoy squash so much because it's so good for fitness. But your mind's not on the fitness; it's more about the winning. Like when you go and play golf, you're not thinking, "Oh, I'm going to walk three miles today." That's really good for my health. You're thinking about, "I want to win a game of golf." Yeah, I guess so. I, I think last year did a little bit. I wanted a big diet, so I was like, "Well, I'll have to go and play for three miles." So in the end, it, the, having to walk three, four, five miles took it off because I was playing golf at the time. Because of that, so yeah, it just worked like that. So same thing. Like I started playing rugby four years ago. I've not played for about eighteen months. Love to go and play rugby, but hated training. Training, yeah. just go away. Making me do suicide, go away. 
I'm 28. And the time I was like, I'm 28. I'm doing two sides. I did this one. I'm 14 playing football. Just go away. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was that. Um, sort of conclude, really. What are you looking f- I know you probably answered it anyway. But is there anything you're looking forward to? And don't say out of isolation or, or out of, you know, get this lockdown over and done with because everyone's going to say that. And I've tried to keep it away from that while these are being recorded. Yeah, just um, I think having knowing that I've been successful in something in a business, knowing that I've built something up to a point where I can say this is my this is my empire, this is what I've built. That's what I'm ultimately looking forward to. Cool. What yeah, a beer garden? Yeah, <laughs> that's on the high priority list now. I think as soon as this is over, um, what inspires you? Um, what inspires me? Well, the seeing other people develop that i know that sounds really corny but it is just if if i give somebody some help and they turn around to me and say that was perfect that's exactly what i needed and it helped me in xyz that's that's what inspires me i listen obviously listen to the the big people the big business podcasts and those type of things and yeah they they inspire me but it's i like the joe blogs text to say oh I've done this and you're like, oh, that inspires me to do even more now. Cool. Um, who inspires you? Is there anybody in particular that inspires you? I, I couldn't, I couldn't put a finger on somebody that, in, like an actual person that inspires me. Um, what's something you failed at? You what? Who would yours be that inspires you? I haven't got anybody who inspires me, but I will have a go-to list of people or go-to list of books. I will go just to remind myself of stuff to get me in that mood if I'm having a day. For example, I'll put a crazy podcast one of his vlogs. Uh, do you know what? He's grafting something. Please, let's get going on. I don't listen, like I said to you earlier, I don't listen to all of his stuff. Do you know what I mean? Um, but he's one. Um, who else? Um, Joe, you know, it's not so much an inspiring thing, but I will watch and I feel, yeah, do you know, from a creative side, let's get the creative. Ready for Casey Neistat, Neistat, is that how you pronounce it? These vlogs, oh. they're pretty, he's been doing it for years. He used to do a, a daily vlog, one of the first ones. It was in New York City, so that makes you, okay, yeah, he's creative with it. He stopped doing it now, just like a video a month after he so long. Uh, All right. I mean, that's pretty cool. Look at and watch. Probably, I send you. That's. Yeah. I wouldn't say inspire, but goes okay. Gets the the juices going again. If that makes sense. Just from a yeah, puts you back on track almost. Yeah. Uh, if there's a day I, I don't really fancy doing a bit of website work and marketing, come on, come on, and I'll may might may from time to time stick him on. Does it help? Um, what's something you failed at, but also succeeded at as well? Um, business point of view, it doesn't have to be business if you ain't got anything, but. I think it's it's especially especially with with doing the the website side of things you you do get some failures you do get broken websites but it's then overcoming that and finding out how to fix it that's just a daily a daily thing really um I can't think of a massive failure that I've had that I've then succeeded at but there's just loads of li- loads of little failures that you'll have through building a business which I'm I'm learning but then you make sure you don't do the same thing again so then you succeed in the future yeah yeah is there, is there, is there a different scenario that you've been successful at and thought oh, I thought that was never going to happen and yes a little tiger fist bump or anything like that or probably the first website I ever built or the first positive comments that I had off the back of doing some of these social media. You don't think, you think to yourself, well, I've got these skills, but they're not very useful. 
that you use them to help somebody and they come back to you and go, that was fucking amazing. You think, oh shit, actually I've, I've helped quite a lot there. That's where I feel I'd be successful. Mm. And sometimes you don't think of that. I think like, I'm just everyday type of scenario, but that person's yeah. quite thankful of it. Um, what are you good at and what are you bad at? Could be anything, by the way. Uh, what am I good at? Probably doing things in a logical order. What I'm bad at is over overthinking things. So working from home, I've had to set myself time time things because then I think, oh, I could be doing this or I could be doing that. Sh- the shiny syndrome, that's what I'm going to call it. Jumping from one thing to the next. Well, magpie, as we used to call it. Oh, shiny, you jump over there. Yeah. Yes. Um, are you got any goals coming up short term, long term, or any dreams coming up? I suppose by the sounds of it, it's just going to keep building your business. But have you got anything that's coming up or anything in your yeah. life for the next month of doing this? Um, so over the next month, it will be to get five new clients um, for social, the social media side of things. Um, and then I've got long term goals all the way through to the uh, all the way through to 2030. Cool. So, is that like once a year? I guess you're going to try and think of yeah, something. yeah. Well, every so it will break it breaks down one, three, five, and then ten years from from 2020. Um, but if you're ever going to set a goal, if anybody's going to set a goal, I'd always say to visualise it. It will always stick, make it stick in your mind more so than if you just write it down every day and work towards it as well. Got to work. One thing. Is there anything I? Is this anything or something I should have asked and haven't? Bang with. No. I think there's been some really good, there's really good questions in this, really thought provoking ones that just don't give you that yes or no answer apart from mine. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think you've covered you've covered a lot of business stuff, but also some personal stuff as well. It's been really good. Oh, um, good to hear actually because that's the whole one I'm trying to go for. Um, tell us something we should know about you that no one else does. Oh bloody hell! Oh, yeah, there you go. Right, right, get you on that one. Um, oh, I can't do needles. I'm the same. I'm the I hate, same. I hate needles. You know, you're going there like that. So basically, oh. basically, about two years ago, I was playing rugby. I pushed somebody else's head. Yeah. My nose is out here, and a massive lump on my head. He's on social somewhere. Like I'm looking like an absolute zombie. It was my own player. So I was coming for a tackle side but left my head there and he's coming flying that way and my nose has just gone into next week and i've had to go and i said do you want it straightened i was like well yeah because i can't breathe through i want to go and i'm there like that with my arm and just as they're about to put me to sleep to do the operation i'm like this oh, what's wrong with you? Oh. they're like a big, a big rugby player like you and you know like, oh, needle just go away leave me alone <laughs> yeah I, I can't have blood i'll just pass out that's the one thing cool um what is the other? There's probably one or two more just to finish off. Who should I try and get on this podcast that you know? Um, who would I say? You could get Mark James on here from a golfer's point of view. He'd be game for it. And who else? It would be good to get a business owner that you've dealt with. And what what changes they've seen of how social media has helped them? That would be quite interesting. I think I'll have to get the boss on here. I reckon I'm trying that down here. Yeah, I'll have to get the yeah. boss on here. Really, I'm trying to get him on here. When he's got, it would be good for people to see. Look, I, I didn't think social media was a big thing, but 
after after doing X, Y, and Z, I've I've actually found that it's really helped my business. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Um, uh, what's coming up next? I know you sort of answered it, but this is your chance now. You can have as long as you want or as short as you want to plug yourself. Right, I'm not going to be one of these people that plugs everything, but I'm just going to say, um, if you're going to follow me, get me on Instagram, uh, Chris Target. You'll get me on there, or on Facebook, on Target Design. Um, you'll see stupid stuff on Instagram, but you'll get great tips for all your social media channels. And if you're a golf fan, go on to golf vouchers, sorry, golfcoursevouchers.com. Screwed that up. Golfcoursevouchers.com and sign up to the email and we'll let you know when the website's going live. It will be simple. You'll log on to the website when it's all up and running. You'll have a list of courses you can choose from and you'll have two set prices for a two ball and for a four ball. Buy that voucher, book it with a golf course, job done. No mocking about with how much is it on this day, how much is it on that day. That voucher will stipulate um, when you can play. You'll pay the money and it will be done. It's as simple as that. So get onto there and register. Any questions you've got, hit me up on social or help with anything social media. Obviously, Gatch is big on it as well. Um, but yeah, those are my two things that I'm going for at the minute. And oh. thank you, Gatch, for letting me pitch those bad boys on here. Uh, that's what it's all about, mate. I was going to try and make it for everybody. Maybe, no, that's the best. I've done five of these so far. That's the best pitch I've heard so far. I'll just look at yourself. I'll give you that. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That is the best he's got. Right. Social, website. There's me over two businesses. This is what I do. Come on, let's have you. So, yeah, I'd say that is definitely the uh, one of the best pictures I've had. Um, from me, thanks for coming on, mate. Much appreciated. Like I say, you're one of my top 10 let's first season let's try and get target on if i can there was a bunch of others that i've managed to get on as well but you were definitely in there because i know just a what you're about what you stand for you in terms of how polite positive and just kindness you've got in terms of business wise and personal and i knew exactly from this podcast there'd be an absolute ton of value so i'm sure by the time i've edited it cut it down put it into videos and all that malarkey i'm sure anybody who's probably come across any of this even if it's five people, I'm sure they'd, um, they'd pick up something off it, which I yeah. think they will do. Definitely. I'd like to what thank you, mate. to do now is obviously just take a selfie of us. There we go. <laughs> okay. You definitely, I was going to say, you definitely saw me doing something along those lines earlier. <laughs> it wasn't at the right angle. There we go. Both thumbs up. Mate, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on. I hope it goes from strength to strength. Hopefully. Hopefully. Um, so hopefully, yeah. Well, hopefully, this is something we're just going to commit to for the rest of this year anyway and see how it goes and just continue doing it. Um, I'd like to get you back on at some point anyway. I'm sure there's more to talk about. There's more to yeah, talk. man, we will. We'll do it again. Um, quick one for me. Anybody who's listened to this podcast, even there might be only one or two of you, I'd deeply appreciated. Any support, subscribe, a like, a comment, or anything like that. Even if off of this podcast you contacted this man at the other end of the video or on, on the on the podcasting, you know, he got some business out of it. That'd be a major success from my point of view. Um, so a like, share, a comment. Um, even if somebody as mate says to him that like, you're an absolute knobhead for just doing this, then that'd be even appreciated. So anything like that would be great. Um, so I'd like to, to thank for the listen um, this has been Catch Up With Gats again Chris Target and I think that's more or less we're out of here, thanks a lot Cheers, thank you